Welcome to Cloudlandia. Welcome to Cloudlandia. Is that the Mr. Jackson who hangs out in that domain? That is exactly right. Ambassador of Cloudlandia. Bringing possibility and splendor to the That's world. That's exactly right. And is this the Canadian ambassador to Cloudlandia? Yeah, the main well, we both, yeah, we both are. We're, uh, we both true. go both. Both of us go both ways. That is so funny, actually, because you are a American living in Canada, becoming a Canadian, and I am a Canadian living in America. But I'm an actual dual citizen. Did you ever and get I Canadian citizenship? Yeah. Oh sure. Oh yeah. But you had 80, to earn it, right? 1985, something like that. Yeah. No, it's been mm-hmm. close to pushing 40 years, and I've been well, a Canadian. Yeah, and it makes crossing back and forth across the border much easier. Yeah, exactly. I always I look at that as one of my most wonderful uniqueness is being a you know natural born dual citizen through my mother and father. So having it every way possible, being born yeah. to a U.S. father. And a Canadian mother on a U.S. Air Force base in Canada. So it's like talk about the the triple play there. It's every way mm-hmm. you can have it. Mm-hmm. I've got it. So I look at that as a really unique, a really unique asset. Yeah. And having listened to that, I have you on duration in Canada. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. This is my fifty-second year that I've been living in Canada. Okay. Okay. Consecutively, well, is, con- yeah. Uh, consecutively, yeah. I've been here. I came in seventy-one in June, so it's fifty-third uh, year uh, that I'm in the fifty-third year. And I came up for a job offer with <clears throat> big ad agency, and uh, said, "Why not? I'll put in a couple of years, see what it's like." And uh, here I am. You fell in <laughs> love with it. That's funny. It's it's a you know we find places that suit us. Yeah. That is true. People say, why do you live where you live? And I said, yeah, it suits me. You know, it mm-hmm. suits me. And, you know, Toronto is, Toronto kind of lets you alone, you know, as a big city. It's the metropolitan area, the GTA, greater Toronto area is 6.6 million. And yeah. got a lot going on. 60% of the people who live in that GTA were not born in Canada. They were born someplace else. And wow, uh, so. Yeah, majority of people, including myself, we were born someplace else. And so it it doesn't have the fervor of some other cities, you know, where there's mm-hmm. a, you know, a civic spirit. I don't really detect a civic spirit in Toronto. And, there's um, something. But I, I think it has to do with, an, I, I think it has to do something with the uniquely different neighborhoods that make up Toronto. You know, mm-hmm. that they have character. Like I live in an area called the beaches. There's a contention whether it's called the beach or the beaches, but I come down on the side of the beaches. And it's like a closest I come, it's like a cl- small New England, you know, seaside, yeah. seaside town. Yeah. And yeah. it's got its own, it has a lot of different things going on during the year parades and parties and festivals and uh, and uh, so it's got a it's got a nice quality to it yeah boardwalk along lake ontario so it takes us uh-huh. you know and that's about a two-mile boardwalk which is very nice to walk on and then two minutes the other way puts us into a neighborhood store district you know you know you're residential but you mm-hmm. have stores and then you have the water and there's lots of parks there and yeah, that's can you walk cool. all the way to? Can you walk all the way to Harborfront along the the path? I don't know if you. The, I don't know if you. I don't know if you would walk. I mean, it's a bicycle. No. That's what I mean. Sort bicycle, of a bike. But it's there. Yeah, yeah, but it's got. Yeah, well, it goes for it goes for a long ways. It goes all goes all the way to Niagara Falls, actually, and then it goes. That's what I wondered. Is up, it unbroken? Yeah. Like you, there's a yeah. There's a trail I, I, or a path. I think yeah. it's. It's temporarily broken because they're all the area which is called the Docklands, which mm-hmm. is that big industrial 
starts at mm-hmm. Cherry Street. It's between Cherry and Leslie, and it's south of Lakeshore, where big factories, cement factories, and everything. Yeah, else. sugar. There's a the 25 year. Well, that's further along. Okay. That's almost down. Red Paths is almost downtown now. I'm saying the the real estate that they have their sugar factory on is probably worth more than all the sugar they've ever sold. I bet. <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So it's it's a nice city. I mean, it's a new city, you know, compared to you know New York or one of the other yeah. cities which go back to the 1600s. Toronto really just kind of starts in the late 1800s. And so it's, and I'm told, kind of a boring place. Montreal was the key exciting city in Canada Mm. up until the 70s. And then it sharply changed because they put in the language laws, the, you know, the French defending the French language. And yeah, it doesn't make for a dynamic, it doesn't make, defense never makes for a dynamic spirit, you know. A defense is not an entertaining activity. Uh, right. And, yeah, you don't find defenders telling jokes. You know, it's, they're short on sense of humor. So anyway, so anyway, but Toronto, all the big corporations that had their headquarters in Montreal quickly moved them to Toronto, and it became the keeping. You know, it's, it's a major city. Yeah, I've been working, you know, on in my mind here. I was looking at some projects that I'm working on that we're going to roll out. This is with a client and we're looking at rolling out in what I've identified as NFL cities, basically like every, when you look at it, that there's, you know, 30, you know, NFL cities and they all have, they're all these metro areas, basically, similar mm-hmm. to the GT. And I mm-hmm. wonder, you know, having grown up, my only experience is having my childhood be, you know, filtered through the lens of the GTA. So there's all that, what all that means, the Canadiana and the specifically the Toronto sort of, you know, environment. Everything was around you know, the Toronto newspapers, the Toronto radio, the, you know, your out, your look to the world was CBC through. Yeah. CBC through that. And I imagine the same thing in Canada. If we take, you know, NHL cities or CFL cities that, you know, the GTA has a different vibe than Ottawa and Montreal and Vancouver. Saskatoon. Calgary, Regina. Yeah, all those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And I wonder now, like, what, how is this shifting? Is it relevant now in, for Generation Z, on the cover of Wired magazine this month is a Gen Z theme for the whole magazine. And, you know, there's such a big, generation. I mean, there's 72 million of them, which is kind of funny. They're bigger than baby boomers and bigger than Generation X and the millennials. But I wonder, you know, they're, they've been grown into a Cloudlandia first world. Yeah. That really their primary world is Cloudlandia. And it's almost mm-hmm. like the thing the importance or interaction or sense of identity or community that shapes as you Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, grow up in that thing. Do you think that's as relevant or do you think it's a, makes any difference now? Like you, you had the opportunity, you kind of grew up in, if we take an NFL city kind of orbit Mm -hmm. or satellite, you grew up what would have been, in the Cleveland. The Browns. The Browns. Uh, the Browns, yeah. right? So your whole, mm-hmm. that's kind of like your, yeah. you're a satellite, you know, or in orbit of Cleveland as the big city yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that was sort of a real treat because I grew up on a farm 60 miles west of Cleveland and it was always a big treat when you got, we got to go downtown, you know, to yeah, right. downtown Cleveland. 
And uh-huh. Cleveland was a hopping place. I mean, I was born in the 40s, and Cleveland was probably the fifth biggest American city then, and a lot of wealth there. The Rockefellers are from Cleveland. And uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, but then there was the Western movement, you know, that the World War, Second World War changed, really changed a lot of things. I always say there's four things that happened in the 40s and 50s that really changed the geography of the United States as far as what you thought of as places to go. And the the first one was the GI Bill. You had 16 million people who got the GI Bill, and that gave them really cheap education, really cheap, really cheap home loans. And so you had a lot of blue-collar people who would never go to education beyond high school. And suddenly the universities were filled with these veterans who came back. And when they got their degree, first of all, they went away. They didn't do it in their home village, mm-hmm. hometown, or the mm-hmm. you know the neighborhood in the city. They went away someplace to the university. They had four years away. They had already been away for three years, three or four years with the service. Yeah, but with the education being cheap, and then also the home loans, they didn't go back to where they came from. And then that coincided with the interstate highway system, the U.S. put right the interstate in the suburbs. And yeah, yeah, and the suburbs and the interstate highway system. So, inner city people moved to the suburbs, or they moved to another city. And but all the westward growth was towards California. You know, was towards the South, Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona. And uh, so you had that, and then you had air conditioning, and air conditioning made it possible to have business in really hot places. You know, you could you could have factories, you could have yeah. you could have plants with air conditioning, and so that's. And the other thing is, I don't include it in my four, but generally these new places were very resistant to unions, labor unions were mainly in the big established cities in the east and in the north, but when they got to the south and west, they were were not union states. They came much later. And so you could pay wages, you know, that the unions would not have agreed to, but the unions weren't there. And then I think the fourth one, so we had the GI Bill, we had the highway system, we had air conditioning, and the fourth one was national TV and that mm-hmm. came in the 50s. So you had the three. You had the three networks, and they were basically competing for the same audience, competing with the same themes, competing, you know, with the same kind of programming. Yeah. And I think that that totally changed the character of the United States from what it yeah. had been before the Second World War. I think those four things. Yeah, I mean, you could add. Everybody would have something else to add to that, but uh, it'd be hard mm-hmm. to find four things more central than those four. Yes. I think, I, and that's, so all of those, and even, you know, then the, yeah, that sense of everybody having the same experience. I think the kids now, I think you think like, if we were to take that, because some of those are infrastructure things, right? That you were, yeah. that yeah. you're talking about. Well, there. almost all think, four of them, are, almost all four of them are yeah. infrastructure of one kind or another. Communications yeah. infrastructure, transportation infrastructure, mm-hmm. educational infrastructure. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the air conditioning is, I don't know, that would fall under a technological, technological mm-hmm. infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, I wonder, you know, we're in, if you take these and kind of like overlay, that's all, you know, circa right around 1950, that all of that in place now, that if we take this to today, you know, and I think when you really think about the, the Gen Z, you know, to 1996 to 2010, those kids you know, the oldest of them now are in the workforce and in the early 20s. So it's, but they grew up with an infrastructure. 
that the internet was already established. And then the modern internet, by the time they were, you know, teenagers, the modern internet, everything was in place. And I still think about the, you know, that all eyes were kind of on that in terms of, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Mm -hmm. now Twitter. And then I don't know whether you've been following uh, threads just got released, which is Facebook's sort of Twitter competitor. Mm -hmm. And it was the fastest, it's the fastest thing to go to a hundred million users. They went to a hundred million users in five days. Right. And that's kind of a, you know, but I guess. But they were the same customers. (laughs) That's what I mean. When you start with, you start. They they were Instagram customers who just added another channel. You just start with a billion already and you've got, yeah, yeah, now you're at Mm a hundred million. But those things, it's almost like the, I start to see that all of those main platforms tend to now, you know, sort of mimic each other in that, you know, whatever, whenever anybody starts to take a lead, everybody, oh yeah, we've got that too. So, you know, TikTok with the short form endless scrolling videos, you know, between TikTok reels, YouTube shorts and, and Instagram stories, you can't really tell which one you're on. It's all that same, that same thing. And I think that when you look at what Twitter's, what, you know, threads is trying to do with Twitter, because Twitter was kind of unique in a way that it was the 140 character, you know, mostly words and comments, commentary, discussion mm-hmm. type of mm-hmm. thing. They're really, the others haven't, you know, didn't really. Yeah. I would say there's a big fundamental change that is happening right now that probably it will give the this newest generation a completely different future. And that is the the notion of a global economy is disappearing mm-hmm. You know, 10 years from now, there won't be a global economy. And it's already, I mean, it's already starting to break break apart. And that's mm-hmm. a function of geo, that's a geopolitical change mm-hmm. that is fundamentally different than anything that happened since 1945. So, we're, you know, and, you know, you go to conferences and you listen, you know, we're going all global and, you know, at a certain point we'll change over where there's a single global government and borders don't really matter and everything else. And that was a bad guess and that was a bad bet. It's Mm -hmm. that whole thing was disappearing because it was basically with the agreement of one very powerful country. That would be true. That country's Mm -hmm. changed its mind. That country's changed its mind. And but the other thing is that there's a a much better prediction that can be made that a lot of the Generation Z won't go to university. They won't go to college because the money is all going to be the money is going to be in the trades again. Yeah. And that's what I wonder if the you know, what I've been kind of wondering about now is the what is the relevance of these little, you know, you're kind of. NFL cities, your city, your MSA cultures kind of thing. Like I I was, you know, only had the Canadian experience, but I imagine people who grew up, you know, if you live in Chicago, that's got a different vibe than living in Detroit or in Cleveland or in St. Louis or, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, all these things. I wonder what the role of these is kind of in the next 25 years. Is it, you know, are we coming back? I always remember, I don't remember the exact way that you said it, but you talked about the dueling, you know, the dueling furniture stores or the, you know, the best furniture store on the street or the best <laughs> furniture yeah. store in town yeah. in the state, in yeah. the globe, in the world. And then it was, Right Solar system. The best one. Yeah. And the best one on the street, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I haven't really given much thought to that, so I don't really know. But there's an interesting thing with Chicago. The Bears, who have been, you know, the most downtown of the sports franchises, the White Sox baseball team is on the south side, and the Wrigley Field, the Cubs, are kind of going towards the wealthy sections, the North Shore, Evanston, you know, sort of. Yeah. Moving towards Evan, Evanston and Lake Forest uh-huh. and those really wealthy cities. But the Bears were right downtown. They were right on the at Soldier Field, which is right near the lake. They're leaving. They're going to go out to one of the northwestern suburbs. You know, okay. it just depends on which one of them. But they'll be mm-hmm. like easily 25 miles from downtown and the basketball team and i don't think they're in the center city the basketball and the hockey team i don't think they're center city but they're losing population i mean chicago's downtown is losing as a matter of fact i think toronto's inner city now is bigger than chicago's inner city the suburbs chicago suburbs are bigger in Toronto, but and uh, you know, and uh, and my sense is that the need to be in the uh, most densely part of a city for business reasons has lost its force, and I think COVID right. had a huge impact on that. Where people who normally commuted downtown spend a couple of years not commuting downtown, and I think they had a chance to figure out maybe there's a different way of my work future than going Mm -hmm. downtown. Yeah. So I think that COVID as we go along and the lockdowns that came with COVID will be seen year by year as we get further away from had a profound sociological, I think it had a profound economic impact on people where they started Mm -hmm. planning out a different future that mm-hmm. did not include every day, an hour into the city, every night, an hour out. They got those two right. hours back, and they're kind of choosy and picky about whether they want to spend Bring their whole back. future that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that was so normal. You know, I look at growing up in Georgetown and Halton Hills. That was yeah. like a normal, almost everybody in Georgetown commuted to go train in an yeah, hour. They that's drove exactly them. right. Yeah. And that was yeah. like just a normal, that's just a normal thing. Or at the very least, they drove to Mississauga or, so you know, 30 minutes okay. somewhere. Not a lot yeah. of industry. So I think, I think that every year the effect of those two lockdown years will be more pronounced. I think, I think it won't go the other way. They say, you know, We'll get past COVID and we'll go back to things the way they were. I don't think that's going to happen. And then uh, the other big thing is the repatriation of industry and manufacturing back to, and I'm talking about the states here. and, And the U.S. has gone through greater industrial and manufacturing growth in the last three years than it did during the three main years of the Second World War, which was, yeah, I mean, it was out of sight how much manufacturing they did in the industrial plant. And, uh, but it's not coming back to the East Coast, any of the, you know, not the old established New England. It's not going to, it's not going to the Great Lakes states, you know, Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, Mm -hmm. Chicago. You know, it's going to, and, you know, it's going to places where they have, really cheap land, and you can build new TSMC, which is the highest level chip makers in the world from Taiwan. They've, they're have they just completing a 20,000 employee chip factory just north of Phoenix. Yeah, and that's the one that they're going to power with the small nuclear. Well, I'm not oh. sure that's true. I I was oh, oh, just okay. talking to Mike. I was just talking to Mike Wandler, and it, it seems to me that a project like that would be a really good use of your new thing. No, I think they're, you know, I think they're, you know, they're using their own. Okay. They might have their own generators, but they're not nuclear generators. Oh, maybe but, it was uh, solar that I thought. Maybe it was. Cause I do remember something that they were going to make it. No, solar. it's not solar. It's solar. It's I not mean, solar, they, definitely. They, 
well, they would use solar for part of it because they've got yeah. a pretty steady sun all yeah. year all year round. Yeah, but anyway, I, I don't really know the ins and outs of it. I was just thinking that TSMC on Taiwan and a hundred miles from China decided that eight thousand miles from China was better. Right. That's funny. And I think well, uh, the other thing that you're going to see is the Japan set a model about 30 years ago. So Japan was going to take over the world, and then they didn't take over the world. Okay. And so remember in the 1980s, we'd go to movies, and it would be yeah. about how smart the Japanese were and how stupid the Americans were. And, yeah. the, you know, we'd be taking orders from the Japanese. Well, they hit a wall. They hit a wall at the end of the '80s, and they've been essentially a flat economically for the last 36, 36 years. Mm. But what they did is uh, they made a very strategic decision. This is companies like Toyota. They made a strategic decision that they have such a falling population. They had the fastest collapsing population in human history. Mm. Up until the Chinese, the Chinese now are losing population faster than any country in history. Mm-hmm. And but what the Japanese, sort of at the government level and at the, you know, at the investment level and the actual industrial level, made a decision that the, from now on they would have their factories where their customers were, and most of the customers were US. in the U.S. And then other, I mean the top-level customers who were right, right the, yeah, for the price here items. And so they have moved a large portion of their industrial base to mostly the south of the United States, you know, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, but below the Mason-Dixon line, if, you know, if you... Yeah. Uh, that was the division between, essentially, between the Union and the Confederates. So all the factories are going to the former Confederate states during the mm-hmm. Civil War. And, and but they said uh, they voluntarily did that. I mean, well, voluntarily is that they were constrained and they said that if we're going to have future and then the money, you know, a portion of the money comes back to Japan. But they're higher American. They're hiring. That's the people who run the factories are American. The people who work in the factories are American. And, uh, you know, they pay taxes in the state and to the country. But my sense is that as we go forward over the next 10 years, there will be a tariff for other countries to sell into the United States. There will be tariffs unless you move your factory to the United States. Yeah. Wow. This is, yeah, this is why I wonder now. It's like almost like the... It's almost like the wave kind of thing that the waves are shifting back into, you know, more an inward, an inward shift here. It's well, I think exciting uh, times. I think the yeah, I think the central thinking here is we want the supply chains to be guaranteed. Yes, and that makes more if sense are, if it's all in, internal. Yeah, I mean, if it's, it's Mexico, the, the United Mexico, United States, Canada, it's all you know. The, all the rail lines are there. All the highway yeah. systems are there. You know, yeah. and they're not enemies of each other. And and uh, you know, when the uh, when the Canadians nationalized pot, you know, marijuana, you knew mm-hmm. there wasn't going to be any invasion by Canada into the United States. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That is funny. For those of you, you know, know something about the United States and Canada, that was a joke. I just told you. Uh, yeah, I love that. My placid favorite, Canadians. Placid, placid Canadians got more placid. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's so funny. This was, I did hear a comedian talking about the, how our friendly neighbors to the north, the Canadians, are just so chill. He said, let's face it, yeah. our Salvation Army could kick their butt. Well, uh, here's the thing. They just had NATO exercises. Canada's part of NATO. And they don't have enough working equipment that they could participate. Wow, that's something, isn't it? Well, there you go. 
No, I mean, probably, you know, I mean, looking at it from a Canadian standpoint, I kind of understand it because nothing's going to happen in Canada that would in any way be seen as a threat to the United States and the American military would be all over it. You know, the. Oh, absolutely. uh, Yeah. But talk um, about one of the best, like, just that's why that's why I look at my Canadian citizenship as a gift. You know, I look at it as mm-hmm. something that's very rare. And, you know, you just look at it's why Canada is always amongst the top places to live in the world. You know? Yeah. It's just got so much, so much going for it. Yeah. Proximity. Thesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this started with Generation Z conversation, you know. Yeah. Uh, it started, you know, it really started, you know, we experienced growing up where we were in one way, but I suspect that somebody who was born in the late end of the 90s and is in their 20s now, then, you know, their take on the world would be radically different from what our take was. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is that it feels like they wouldn't have that same sense of identity or association with their clique, you know, with that they were, because I think it was, it's less and less relevant in your daily life. Well, the chances are that, first of all, that you would, for example, have to go in the military. I mean, I was born in the 40s, and when I got to the 60s and the Vietnam War started and I got my draft notice, I didn't give it a thought. Well, you know. I had one, two, three. I had three older brothers who had already served. I mean, they volunteered. They didn't. And mine was conscription. I never mm-hmm. gave it a thought because all the uh, growing up, all the adults I talked to had been in the military, so it didn't seem yeah. like a, yeah. It was kind of like a tax, you know. It was two years of your life, and it was kind of mm-hmm. like a tax, but you know, and there was no thought. But then you had the anti-war period during this. But I was already back from the military when that all started. And, you know, I didn't really pay any attention to it. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't concern me at all. And, you know, and you didn't get into discussions going through college that you had been in the military. You know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a popular topic. And right. yeah, so, yeah, and I think that's where the sharp change happened. I think it was the late 60s, mm-hmm. war protests and then yeah a lot of protests i remember little abner there was a cartoon series little abner al cap and he had he was reflecting in the late 60s a protest group called swine swine it was the acronym was s-w-i-n-e students wildly indignant about nearly everything that's true. That's great. And they they run the country. I mean, on one side of the political spectrum, they run the country now. They're in their sixties and seventies. And well, the size of the the size of the swine, you know, army now is huge because it can be collective on the internet. Cancel culture. Well, really and, and what we call woke used to be called. Yeah. No, I mean, the, it's a there's a you can chase you can easily track the genealogy, the ideological genealogy of the present woke population. And it, but it started with the swine population in the 1960s, you know, mm. and, but students wa- wildly indignant about nearly everything. Yeah, I thought, you know, <laughs> I yeah. think that's something, you know, that's so great. Yeah, this yeah, whole, uh, well, so after- you- you know, I mean, if you're not creative, opposition gives you a lot of focus and identity. Being against something can give you a lot of energy, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it it doesn't get you a high paycheck. Yeah, this is yeah. I wonder now the whole this whole like notion of work and what how that's going to shape this generation. I haven't gotten to that part in the in the magazine. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's certainly, you know, there's a different level of. Uh, apparently, they're saying that we're that it is a very entrepreneurial group, which is well, there, as far as I mean, just by observation, because we have, I would say, we certainly have twenty of our 
team members out of 130. Might be more than that. I haven't counted, but they seem like worker bees to me. Okay, interesting. Yeah, they work real hard. They work real hard. They, you know, mm-hmm. they show up on time. They do what they say they're going to do. They finish what they start, and they play. They say please and thank you, and you know. And so I have a very positive take on those individuals who we've hired. You know, and uh, I mean, yeah. we have. Uh, there's five steps to get hired at coach. So there's a filtering and a screening that goes on. Yeah, it was one mm-hmm. thing that we had a lot of millennials. You know, we had a lot of millennials, yeah. and a lot of them are still with us. And yeah. I asked the person most in charge of hiring for a coach, I said, is there anything you're doing different with these people? Because I don't see, I don't detect any of the attitudes that are supposedly millennial attitudes. And Mm -hmm. she said, well, we have one more question. We ask them. And I said, and it's, if you come to work at strategic coach, what do you think you're entitled to? And if they answer the question, they're gone. That's so funny. I like that. If they even know <laughs> what the word entitled means, yeah, they well, disqualified yeah. they disqualified themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't ask you, Dan, but how did Freezone go this week? I know everybody was in gathered in Chicago. Well, I had one of my periodic last minute creative changes where mm-hmm. what was the planned out workshop on Friday was completely changed on Monday. Okay. Okay. And, and what I did was, and I just got a feel for it that something more is needed. And also, we had a guest speaker for the first time. We had a guest speaker, and we oh, had wow. Andre Norman. We had Andre Norman come in oh, and spend an hour nice. with us. Yeah. And I gave Andre a script. In the terms, in the form of a fast filter, and I mm-hmm. said, Andre, we're just going to talk about entrepreneurism, and we're going to divide your life into three parts. When you were a gang leader in Boston, you're the boss, and when you got into prison, and you were the prison boss, and now you're out and collaborating with Joe Polish, and you do crisis intervention with individuals and groups across the country, but you're the boss of doing that. And I'd like you just to walk us through your three entrepreneurial stages and looking back things you might've done differently now from your, you know, from the, you know, the advantage of backward perspective, what would you have Mm -hmm. done differently? But we had two TikTok, we had two videos and there was about a two minute TikTok where he's just telling the story about how he, went through five guard stations and got into the kitchen to ask for a hamburger and a shake, Uh, a a cheeseburger, and was confronted by the warden and then let the warden know who actually ran the prison and, and that he had no issue getting through five gates and getting into the kitchen, but the warden was being an issue. And that the warden had a choice of how he was going to handle this. And the warden mm-hmm. at the end goes over and says, give him a second cheeseburger. Make him and, two. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then at the end, it was just the the trailer for the movie that's been made on Andre. So we, that was sort of neat. One was about two minutes. The other one was about two minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. But it was a terrific hour. So that that, that was a special event in the workshop. But what I did was I drew a diagram and it's an upward arrow, you know, goes up and it's broken down into eight arrows. And they're the decades of my life. So next year, I complete my eighth decade, eighth arrow. And I just observed that my creativity and productivity since I was 70 was greater than the 70 previous years. I've created mm-hmm. and produced more in the last 10 years. So I had them all do that. They had to draw it out. I just drew it on the whiteboard. And and then you laid down, you know, everything, but just under the category of creativity <coughs> and productivity. And that I had, I bet I had 10 people at the end of the first hour because they just drew it out and then they went into breakout groups. And then we had the general discussion, let's say the first hour and a half, 
They said, we could go home right now. This was worth the trip. And I said, well, that's good. And Ooh. I had a prepared sheet which said what their um, best ever decade was going to be ahead. So mine was a bit easy because I'm going to be right at the end of a calendar decade. My chronological, not, not a calendar decade, but my chronological. So I'll be 80 next uh, May. And yeah. so it'll be 80 to 90. It'll be 2024 to 2020, 23. I says, now choose a one. And I said, you may have it start right away. You may have it start in a couple of years, you know, but you're going yeah, to now start, chosen too. Yeah. start creating the decade that will be your best ever. And you've seen what you've done with the best one in the past. And we did that, but we're going to drag break it into two parts. One of them is creativity times productivity. That'll be one side and the other side will be fitness times health. Because I said, you know, right now at 80, most of it gets people born in 19, in the United States, people born in 1944, 61% of them are dead, you know, mm. 61. And so, so, you know, you got to put a bigger emphasis on your physical energy. And so I said, and you won't plan for something bigger in the future if you're not in great shape and you will not plan for greater shape in the future if you're not becoming more creative and productive. And this was a huge, this is a huge new tool, mm -hmm. a, a new time tool, a new time tool. And it went, it was the whole day, the, just mm -hmm. that, that thing. Yeah. We just, and then they picked three things that were most important and then they did a triple play on it. So I think we had about, we had about three breakout groups and then general discussions. And we had a party the night before at right. our house. And on the Monday where you have the 10 times workshop, it's just free zone people in that 10 times. There's no, nobody else in the 10 times. And that really worked. And then there were people who were going to do their 10 times the day after free zone. And I had, we had another party at our house that night and that included uh, a lot of 10 times a week of parties. Yeah. But it's all, you know, all the success and achievement is strictly for the parties. That's exactly right. I like that. Yeah. And being, uh, having a seven in your print, you would appreciate parties. Yes, exactly. I love it. Everybody be happy. Uh, enjoying life and having fun. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, so, about, so we're going to go through that same thing on. You, so you'll do that on. You'll do that on on the Zoom. Yeah, I like it. And that's next I, week. I, can't wait. I think that's next week. I think that's next week. Is that next Is week or the, no? It's this week. This week, I think one of these. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it has to be the, this week. It has to be this week because we're at the cottage for two weeks. Oh, yeah. There you go. So I think it's the starting next week. Yeah. Yeah. But it went the, really yeah, well. The 20th. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Now, did I saw in one of the, I got the, the prep package and stuff and I saw something that made my pupils dilate. And I think it was, some indication of some free zone expansion into Toronto. Yeah. What we want to do, because it's getting big now, we have 91 mm -hmm. in free zone. And mm -hmm. so we want to add another available workshop day during the quarter. And there's been a growing interest from people in Canada who would mm -hmm. do it if it were in Toronto. And so we've looked at the date. It'll start in early, it'll start in early 24, 2024. And, but there has to be enough interest that we would have a good size. And by good size, we'd have more than 20 people there, either right. new yeah, or yeah. existing. And, and, but to, to save you the bother of going to Chicago, we're still going to charge you in American dollars. Right on. Yeah, so it's oh, great. It's not. We're not having a deeper oh. one. And yeah, though no, this is great. I think it's so nice to see it expanding. I mean, the that our group in in Palm Beach was really something. I mean, it's really a great 
energy among yeah. everybody. And next year, the summit's back in Palm Beach, too. I like so that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the Four Seasons, there's, you know, there's nothing you have to think about with the Four Seasons. Right. And, you know, I mean, their instant response and anything you want. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have our first big global conference in Nashville next year. And I think it's in May, first week of May. So it'll be two day and it's everybody who's been involved and we'll have out clients come. So we're shooting for probably 1,500, 1,600 people. And we're going to break out sessions and guest well, this speakers. This is just a global overall strategic coach. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. people will come yeah. from overseas for it, but yes, yeah. you know, a lot of it is mingling and, you know, and yeah. whining and dining and sure. uh, everything. But, and I have nothing to do with this. I was told it was going to happen. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> You're just relaying the news. Yeah. I'm usually the last one to know. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. And people say, boy, how do you find time for all this stuff? And they said, well, what stuff? And they said, well, you know, moving the other coaches up to 10 times. I said, that was 15 minutes on my part to do the whole. I simply announced that after 2023, I wasn't going to do any more. After 2022, I wasn't going to do any more workshops. Right. Well, well, how are we going to, huh? I said, my security clearance is not high enough to be involved in Uh the discussion. Yeah, uh, nothing but rave reviews for Chad. Yeah, Chad, that was really good. Yeah, and uh, in fairness to you know, in fairness to you know s- someone else, they had to split their attention between free zone and ten times people on the same day, and that stuff. And mm-hmm. but Chad just got the pure, the purebred lambs. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. The purebred, yeah. The Mayflower, yeah, <laughs> that is funny. Well, I, you know what feel I feel good about is I've been, I was the Mayflower of the Ten Times program oh, yeah. on the maiden voyage and Mayflower of Free Zone. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you know it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, see, my whole approach is that you don't know how good your team is, and you don't know how good the program is until you're not involved in any of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's why people say, well, all this free time. And I say, they said, don't you worry about the company? And I says, actually, it's on my free days that Mm -hmm. I find out how good my company is Mm -hmm. or as, as a result of my free days, they can't phone us. We don't phone them or zoom them. We don't, and they have to sort things out on their own, and that's and they do, they do. How many and they days grow did and, you? Uh, how many days did you who up with the you know letting without doing the ten times? Well, prep and workshops in about sixty days. Yeah, yeah. and then but um, you've already Tuesday, replaced some of those with. Oh yeah, I'm expanded I'm, the I'm, programs. I'm, and, no, I'm busy. I'm, I don't think I'm any less. Active. I don't think I'm any, right. but I'm just doing different things. But the big mm-hmm. one for the last five years, and on Tuesday it'll be five years, was the no television for five years. And I got back about 4,000 hours oh. over the five year period, about 800 hours. So, you know, I truthfully, I, I kind of worked like 10 hour days when I'm working. So that was 80 years. And 80 days a year, and then I got about of work time, and then I got 60. So it was a big, I had a big return of days available for doing new things. And, you know, so it's, it's, stuff works, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've been really enjoying and expanding on my adventures in Deanlandia. Yeah. Uh, less screen time, more Dean time. I'll tell you, there is so much, yeah. There's so much more compelling things going on in Deanlandia than in on Netflix or on YouTube or you know TikTok. Any of those things that take up all that. Well, that time. you can be so, more of a you can be more of a connoisseur, you know. But you know, I mean, I watch YouTube, but basically half of it is just watching Peter Zion's latest take on something, and that's never yeah. more than about seven or eight minutes. Right. And but you begin to realize, you know, that if you're truly a 
an entrepreneur who's expanding freedom, time, money, relationship, and purpose, that there's a lot going on in the world that doesn't or should, shouldn't really concern you. Yeah, I think that's really the thing of being able to know that uh, this you can let go of a lot of this, yeah. right? That's really, I think that when you when you really come to the fact that there's no way to keep up with it, there's no, like all the content that's out there, it's kind of like you're saying about swimming in the ocean, you know, you miss a lot of it. But you really, you know, it was as long as you get a good, as long as you get a good swim in, that's all that really matters. But the other thing is people say, well, how do you keep up with the world? And I said, if I knew what the world was, maybe I would have an answer. But I Mm -hmm. says, our world is basically a measurable number of relationships that you have, you know, you know, I mean, people say, what do you think about what's going on in Africa? And I said, well, not very much. And I mean, I don't really think about it that much. And because right. I've got some clients, I have a client, clients in Botswana, I've got clients in Ghana, you know, there's some clients there and um, we interact and I know about them, but Africa itself, not really much. And But people, I think what's happened over the last 40 years, we've had a sizable number of people who went to college with the and came out of the college with the mission of changing the world yeah but they don't know how to change a tire you know so they have theoretical this theoretical sort of vision but they don't really have any practical skills and and i think that as the world becomes less united and less interconnected, which I see happening already, and it's going to happen more so over the next 20 years, it strikes me that people will become more practical in their focus, and they'll be more local, and not local in the sense that they're dealing with real relationships, and they're creating things and producing things with real relationships, and they're not buying into a lot of fantasies about what's going on in the world. And that this is Generation Z. I mean, we started with this topic, but I think they're going to turn out to be more practical than the two or three generations ahead of them. Yeah, and they're much more, they're, you know, they're technically fluent. I mean, that's certainly yeah. a thing that they're, I think, especially now, the younger ones that are going to, you know, they're going to grow up with their chat GPT sidekick you know, always yep. available to yeah. them. I yeah. think it's going to be an amazing I th- I thing. Think so. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's some changes in the wind. Uh-huh. Anyway, got to jump. Oh, by the way, always just fun. as a pickup on a previous thing, I checked with Julia Waller about the Strength Finder, and we do not she have your numbers. A, she sent me an email. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today, actually. I'm going to take okay. the, yeah, good. the test. But so, I'm yeah. just going to send you, I, I have it on a draft, and I'll just punch the button. And, you know, the thing is that you take your top five strength finders and you plop them into the pass filter. Perfect. The pass filter has five success criteria. Yeah, I'm going to just put down whatever uh, your five are. Yeah, and yeah. It's, got a, it's got a neat outcome when you do that. I like it. I can't wait. Well, I will okay. report back. Are we are we next, next week, week? Next week, and then I won't at the cottage. I'm just going to cottage. I'm just going to cottage things. Okay, great. So no podcast next week. Okay. No, next week we have it. I haven't left next week. Uh, oh, I'm oh, here okay, on Sunday. Perfect. So would okay. Perfect. Yeah, we'll yeah, do that if you would be so inclined. Yeah, of course, always. Okay. Okay. Talk Thanks. to you then. Mm, bye. Okay. Bye.